Welcome back as the IFC presents another episode of the Individuation Podcast. My name is James Malam. I've got a great episode for you. Today is part one of a two-part special podcast with Dr. Lahab Al-Samurai going over the complexes. If you enjoyed the IFC's Individuation Podcast and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. So without any further ado, Dr. Al-Samurai, take it away. So what I wanted to talk about today um, that Christy mentioned was uh, trauma and how, how, what is trauma? How does trauma affect us and how trauma needs to be treated? So I've been a clinical psychotherapist for over 20 years, um, worked in the inner city of Chicago, which is the poor area in Chicago. Um, so I've seen trauma in different ways. I've seen it on more of a, an urban warfare type of situation. I've seen trauma where it's more intimate, where people are more interconnected. Um, they're part of the same family um, or their friends, um, maybe relatives or even neighbors. So, um, so let's talk about trauma. What is trauma? So trauma is any event that overwhelms the defenses that the mind puts up. And the number one defense that the mind will activate when it's completely overwhelmed is disassociation. So if I can't stare it away, if I can't face it, if I can't look away, if I can't feel it, if I can't taste it, if my brain will go somewhere else, so take it somewhere else. And this is where our journey begins. It's not the trauma. It's where does this information go? The trauma has occurred now. And my brain is kind of, I don't know where it's been stored. So usually where we store it is in the oldest part of the brain. It's the lizard brain, we call it. It's the amygdala. And the amygdala holds that content. The reason I want to talk about why the amygdala holds this content is um, it's very difficult to release it from the amygdala. It's very difficult to release it from the mind. What happens is, is because this is the most primitive part of the brain, we have what is called complexes. They're part of our archetypal patterns in the world. We are born with them and they are created once we have that trauma. They are created, it's almost like a defensive shield that goes around them. And this we call the complex. And what is a complex? A complex is, it's an entity that's eternal and transcendent. It's been with us forever. And when it takes over, it takes over. It's its own defense mechanism. It's like you have an internal security force that does not answer to you. 
It's supposed to protect you, but it doesn't answer to you. <laughs> so it's like, I don't need anybody to defend me. No, sir, you're gonna have to be um, protected at all times. You can't have any meetings. We have to make sure you're okay. So it feels like a complete takeover. How do we know it's complex? Because somebody will say something. It has a feeling tone, Young says. It has a vibration, a feeling tone. So he says, so somebody's, somebody's sitting next to me, and I have a father complex, it's very deep. We have issues. So somebody sitting next to me is like, yeah, my dad is great. Yeah, you know, he really raised me to be a good man. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, what about my asshole, my father? So that is called triggering of the complex. They're talking about theirs, it triggers mine. Now we're both talking about our fathers, but we are actually talking from internally they're not really our fathers these are internalized images of who we think and what they are this is our internal relationship with the image usually the father complex is created well how is it created well your father scares you you know loving protecting and suddenly says hey <laughs> and you go what and so the complex is formed. Father can be mean. He can be scary. That goes into the father complex. It's not just negative information. Positive information could go in there too, but it's under the control of the complex. The complex is in charge. If you have ever felt triggered by something, a voice, a sound, a smell. These are how complexes react. The complex is at that point, basically is electrified. The complex starts to like build momentum and energy. Young calls it, it has a nuclear core to it. It starts to generate all this energy to protect this material that's been disassociated because of that trauma that I have talked about in therapy for 15 years. But this thing is still there. I still can't go out at night. I still can't like be with my friends after six o'clock. I still have to stay home. I'm still afraid of the doorbell after a certain point. I'm always fretting what's who's calling me at night. I'm always worried about um, the email that's coming to me, what is that about? Why? That's because the complex is there. The complex is a defensive entity that is there and it protects you. It has evolved with us. We don't stand it between Plato and between the great philosophers. We've kind of gotten a, a gist of what this is. And complexes can be independent of us. They're in families. We wake up and we are aware, conscious of this family and suddenly 
our consciousness of this family, they have a complex. There's something unspoken in this family. Nobody talks about Thus arise the complex because that's going to be traumatic. If there is something everybody knows and nobody wants to talk about, that's going to be anxiety. And after a while, I can't keep thinking about it. So I'm going to have to dissociate it. Anytime I start to disassociate, the complexes arise. They are the force, they are the shield that brings everything in. This is how it keeps you sane, walking through the world. It's very adaptive. It's smarter than we are. It is transcendent. We don't have any real control over it. It's, it's an easy story. Five, five people are sitting together and one person starts talking about how loving and caring their mother is and starts to cry. The other four start to cry with them. That's the activation of the complex. Suddenly all five are crying and you're like, what's going on? All five people are crying. She was telling a story. That's the activation of the group complex. The complex is always there. You could walk into a space and feel weird. You're sensing the complex. So I was giving this example to um, one of my students yesterday. I said, imagine walking into my house and I've been screaming all day. I've been enraged. I've been screaming, screaming, screaming all day long. And finally, I feel better. I feel great now. I said, I'm feeling great. And you enter my house. And we have a great time. We talk, we chat, we have a couple of glasses of wine. You go home and you're thinking, God, Dr. Lahab was great tonight. But now you're enraged and you have no idea where it came from. You had a great night. But you're enraged. You can feel this rage rising through you. It's like, what? what's, what's wrong with me? Why am I getting so angry? This is, this is when, so remember that the complex is transcendent and eternal. It exists, it's energy. So where does that energy go if I've been screaming all day in the same room? Where is that energy? That energy is all over the place. It's not inside of me, but it's all over the place. So anybody who's walking in is gonna be ambushed. How many times have you walked into a place and walked out and said, that, that felt weird. I don't wanna be there again. I'm not gonna go in there again. Something is strange about this place. Maybe it's a smell. So we try, so the mind tries to uh, create logical sequences about things like maybe it's the smell maybe it was cold maybe it was hot maybe it was muggy we try to give explanations but it's actually it's when the energy the complex so the complex can you know we have these things about energy what is energy energy is contained through the complex. The complex is the only feeling state that you're, you're reacting to. 
dispersed energy doesn't matter. We are energy. We walk right through it. But concentrated energy, like us, will activate us. And it's concentrated because the complex controls it. It holds it. And so my screaming and yelling is disconnected, emotional, psychic energy. The complex is eternal and transcendent. It exists with, within me, outside of me, around me. It exists. It doesn't have a hub. It's energy. It's existed since creation, since the beginning of time. And the complexes are, I mean, they're quite elegant. They tell you things like, you could do that. Of course you could do that. You're not a kid anymore. But what if something happens to you? They start talking to you like a child and suddenly you're like, I'm not going. I've decided. Now you're thinking to yourself, okay, that's my voice, right? Well, it is, but it's not. It's almost like a subpersonality. It pops up. Do you really want to do that? That's such a terrible idea. Why, why would you do that? Oh, you know, I thought about it. It's a terrible idea. I'm not going to do it. But what happened? I thought we agreed. No, no, no. It's a terrible idea. I'm not going to do it. I've thought about it. That's the complex. The complex takes over. And it almost is like an internal parent. It's always the overlord. But if it can't tell you what to do, it tricks you into doing it anyway. It doesn't force you. So this is the thing about the complex. The complex takes over and then starts with all these conversations. But the ego is completely sidelined. The ego is like tied to a chair staring, going, what? who are these people? What are they doing in my house? What is going on? And by the time the ego is released, you're like, oh, I don't know what happened to me the last couple of days. I was in a daze. I was in a fog. I was in a trance. I was out of it. I was disconnected. All these terminologies that we're using, we're talking about how the complex basically takes over. And it depends. I mean, somebody controlled. I mean, we say these things out loud sometimes. We say that something is going on with that person. They're acting weird. They're not in themselves. That's not like them. What you're sensing is the complex. You're sensing the disturbance in the energy. And the reason you're sensing it is because um, that disturbance wakes your energy up, wakes that part. That's where the trauma is contained. That's where the disassociated material of the trauma is contained in this energy that basically is an overlord, that sometimes is a parent, sometimes is a child, sometimes it, it talks to you nicely, sometimes it guilts you into it. 
but it gets you to do what it needs you to do, which is not do anything. Because for your safety, you're not to be trusted. <laughs> Always remember that when the trauma occurs, is the consciousness that the complex has of you. So I'll repeat that. What that means is that the complex captures the disassociated material. So if you're five, it's gonna to talk to you like a five-year-old for the rest of your life because it's protecting a five-year-old, not protecting a 50-year-old. So that's what holds, and that is the part that is held, as we know now, in the brain, in the amygdala. So how do you get it out? How, how do you work through it? Because the material is being defended against. But at the same time, there are other parts of you that are saying, you need to deal with this. You need to figure this out. You need to go to therapy. You can't keep doing this. You're going nuts. Don't keep doing this. Go work it out. So you go to therapy. I mean, I was in therapy for 17 years. You go to therapy with different people, sometimes analysts, social workers, psychotherapists, healers. You go into therapy. The resolution of the trauma is not resolved. You write a book, it's a bestseller. The resolution of the trauma is not resolved. Case in point, Anthony Bourdain. The resolution of the trauma is not resolved. The trauma is not resolved. The trauma will keep living. The disassociated material hold and that disassociated material will keep torturing you. Because no matter when it happened, even when you're 40, now you're 60. And it's still treating you like the day you were traumatized. And remember, when you're traumatized, your fear, anger, disbelief, shock, and disgust. All these things are going on. And each one of these has a story behind it in the trauma. These are the parts that remain and they basically have claws inside of you and they rip at you. So you try different things to resolve them. You try to talk them out. You try to write them out. You try to explain to a group setting them out, but you go home and the same feeling state remains. Remember, the amygdala doesn't like to let go of anything. It survived all this time you're talking about since we were a one-celled organism, it has survived. It has that memory. So it doesn't like to let go of shit. You need to let go of it because you need to see it. The mind needs to see it. It needs to see images of that day so it could file it away in its system and say, okay, this is a memory. This is what happened. We can move forward. 
But because the disassociated material is laden with images and emotions, and because we cannot access them, at least voluntarily, involuntarily, the, the complex activates us all the time. They call them flashbacks. They call them nightmares. Within this material is the source of the healing. It's understanding the material. The only way you can understand the material is if the, that part of the brain, that defensive structure, that complex that's sitting around releases it. The complex is not gonna release it. So what I used to do in therapy would be, if you had a trauma, I would talk you through the steps. I would walk you up the mountain and then, oh, I'm sorry, our time is up. And you would come crumbling down the mountain. Not, not because I'm sadistic, it's just because this is what we knew and this is how it was done. So every time you would come back in the office, we'd go up the mountain again. And you come crashing down at the end of it as soon as I say time is up. How was your week? Oh, it's okay. You want to talk about that? No, not this week. Let's skip it this week. So usually I could resolve the issue in four years. With bilateral stimulation and eye movement, so both audio, uh, auditory and visual. With the treatment that um, I've developed called JAMP, Young Advanced Motor Processing, what we do is we move, we move you through the trauma, like you're walking through it. And as you move through it, the more you are relaxed because of the eye movement, because of the bilateral sound, the more you relax, the more we could go in and talk about the events. The more you relax, the more um, we're able to access the complex. At that point, as you're relaxing, you actually are, um, you've been triggered. The material's triggering you, but your body's not reacting because the parasympathetic system is calm, it's not activated. And that's what the eye movement, so what we understood is this is a treatment over 90 minutes, but what we understood from it is that there needs to be a way into the complex and to liberate the material and the emotional content of the trauma. If we could not remove it, if we cannot push it, if we cannot pull it out, it will remain and it will continue to do what it does, which is to be activated because it's a defense mechanism. I mean, think of it this way, you're living in a house and the defense mechanisms of the house, the alarm, um, the shutters, the metal doors that come down, are operating at their own will. You're gonna miss a lot of shit in life because you're being locked in all the time. Because this alarm system is going off and you're like, oh, screw that. I really wanted to go to Copenhagen. There was a nice conference. No, forget that. 
I'll read about it. Say, I'll talk to so-and-so. They'll tell me, and then I'll know. And that's what happens. We become prisoners. But this is not meant to be. That's not what the complexes actually do. They, they don't want to hurt us. They're actually, they're saving us in ways. <clears throat> but the problem is like anything else, if the trauma is not dealt with, if it's not worked through, therapy doesn't work uh, quickly. It's a very slow and tedious process. Like I said, it's walking up the mountain. I'm going to walk you up the mountain. You ready to walk? Yeah. Tell me the story. Okay. Then what happened? Okay. So now we've gotten to the story. It's about a hundred times. How many times do I keep telling the story? That's what you're saying to yourself as you're talking. Why hasn't it resolved itself is the question. It's not how many times do I keep telling the story is, or why is it, am I keep telling the same story? So somehow modern, um, Modern ideas inflamed by the lack of understanding of uh, quantum mechanics, <laughs> very easily confused, um, have figured out that, you know, trauma is just, you know, some kind of tune that you play. You meditate it out, you jump around, you dance, you... You are dealing with ancient defense mechanisms that don't like to play. <laughs> I mean, what, what the shamans and the healers of the day did was they put the person through hell. They had to basically go through hell to come out of the trauma. So they had to crawl inside themselves and walk out. It was kind of like a rebirth. But those rituals, people died all the time. <laughs> <laughs> those were tools you, you know you hear about them being miraculous yeah but a lot of people died not really a really safe form of treatment but that people would do anything um the uh catholic church with the uh, um, what do they call them christy exorcists yes so what they're dealing with is the complexes. The complexes are talking back, right? No, 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 no. The complex is hilarious because it acts like anything you're scared of. So if you're scared of the devil, it goes, yeah, I am the devil. If you think it's God, they'll say, yeah, I'm God. Because it's transcendent. It's an eternal being. It doesn't, we don't understand its existence really. We understand the mechanism of how it defends us, but we don't understand what is existence because it predates us. We're basically wild animals to it. It's trying to save us. We're like pets. It's just like, oh, this pet is gonna. So people have treated complexes. They call them, um, People say that um, 
they speak in tongues. That's a complex. Of course, a complex can speak in tongues. The complex has been around since eternity, since the beginning of time. Of course, it could spout all kinds of craziness and people would go, wow, what is that? How do they know this shit? Well, of course. <clears throat> and you are always, you always know yourself when you're activated. You can feel it in your skin. You can feel it. It's just like it starts to take over and the hair on your skin starts to go up. And you're like, I'm okay. You start telling yourself because you're scared. That's the ego, right? The ego is scared at this point. It's, it's going bye-bye. <clears throat> so the complex can be activated by another complex, another energetic pattern that is disturbed. So I, uh, I used to work on uh, um, residential homes with kids who were physically abused. Some of them were sexually abused. There was a lot of abuse, a lot of mental, emotional, psychological. So I would work with them. So during the day, it was like going through a meat grinder. And the first, this was early on in my career, I had just graduated and I, I thought I was a big shot. I would come home and I'd like have like a couple of glasses of wine, maybe three glasses of wine. I'm like, just to like calm myself down because I was like being attacked all the time. Didn't know where it was coming from. It's complete chaos in my head. What is happening? You know, so my analytical brain is trying to like put things in order and, but I wasn't really looking at the picture. I didn't see it. The complexes were running amok and nobody was in charge. The kids, um, the clients were scared. They didn't know where the future was. We were all fresh cadets from graduate programs. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. And these kids really need professionals, actually. But that's the system. But they were my biggest teachers. They taught me about these. Because when you're talking to them, when you're trying to like communicate, you say, okay, so how are we going to work through this? Oh, you can't work through this. You don't understand it. And I used to think, you know, they don't understand, but that's true. I didn't understand it. It was difficult to comprehend. It seems so obvious that you work through it and that you pull it out and that you make it conscious and that somehow by making it conscious, it stays conscious. It doesn't. Because what are you making conscious? You're only making conscious of the material, of the trauma that you know. It is with the disassociated material that the lost images, feeling states, and ideas are being held. So when we do this young uh, advanced motor processing jam, when we do the treatment, we release this material, you start to realize images, you start to have memories, basically. You say, oh, I remember this. But now you are no longer under 
the protection of the complex. We basically have taken out the material as much as we could. So now that the complex doesn't get, it doesn't get electrified when somebody talks to me about that issue or touches me in a certain way. Because the body has a memory, right? In Jungian psychology, the body also has a psyche. And in between the, the body's, um, Maurice Stein talks about this. Um, but anyway, the two are connected through the collective unconscious, through our beginning, through our past. And that's where the interchange, that's where the archetypes are. So the archetypal patterns are also in the body. That's why the complexes are so strong because they only not connect through what's being disassociated in the mind. They connect to what is connecting to the body. So how does it connect to the body? Because the body holds it. We are organisms, so we like to hold things inside. This is why I said in the primitive part of the brain, in the amygdala, because all information is good information for us. This is what helps us survive this long. We are the dominant species on this planet for now. AI is coming, but we are dominant species right now is because of the way we've been storing information. That will be surpassed in no time by AI. And we've made sure of it. Because we can't help ourselves. Anyway, so I hope, um, I don't know if you have questions, um, if you'd like to ask any questions, I can answer, I can continue to talk about the trauma, what would you like? So for young, the complex, the ego is a complex, the anima, the, the feminine is a complex, the masculine, the animus is a complex. The, um, the shadow is a complex. The, um, um, the persona is a complex, right? So all these different pieces are complexes. They're part of the archetypal energy. The complex and archetype, this is kind of confusing at times, are pretty much the same. It's the same energy, except there, the complex is um, archetypal energy that's more personal. It's more connected to you, although it's not quite connected to your person. So when you have a trauma, for instance, you have a trauma when you're like 10. You walk in and your father's beating the crap out of your mom. And you have a trauma. Now that trauma goes into two places. One is disassociated. It's like, oh my God, what, what are they doing? What's going on? I'm screaming, screaming. What happens is, is that 
your mother complex is holding part of the trauma and your father complex is holding the other part of the trauma. So what is a father and mother complex? It's the two people that we end up communicating with all the time and we internalize because they do things to mess with us. Like, so when there isn't a mother, we have the all-knowing mother, the Gaia, basically. Oh, if I had a mother, she would be fantastic. You know, I would have meadows. I would have, we had kids in, who were wards of the state tell, talking to me about how they would go back to their parents. Their mother would have ponies for them and a pool. I mean, they were talking about like lives of the rich and famous. They came from the poorest circumstances, but their fantasy was that's the great mother. She provides for all her children. She cares for all. That's the great mother because my mother never had her. The personal mother is different. There's a complex. Yeah, she could be mean. Yeah, but she loved me. So all this information, whatever was externalized between you and her becomes internalized. When you see that trauma, that trauma, this basically you're watching it, but you can't remember what happened. The first thing that happens is disbelief. I can't believe this is going on. That, that's the first sign that somebody has pushed the panic button and this association has started. Uh, I can't believe what is happening. As soon as you say that, you're basically, you're in active process of disassociating. I can't see this. I can't look at this. I can't, I can't be here. I can't hear this. You're actively disassociating. That's what, I, that's what the person is telling you. I'm actively disassociating. I can't even think about it. Actively disassociating. So all these parts and, and people have, have learned to deal with life like this. They disassociate parts of the body, right? It's okay to have pain in the lower leg. Why? It's always been there. It's not a big deal. It's disassociated pain, right? That's emotional pain that's being held. But they don't want to let it go. That's the complex. You know, my dad had it. Maybe the father died early on. So the child held the pain in the leg. Maybe the dad hurt him and he held the pain in the leg because the father hurt him. So it always reminds me of the father. It depends on the mind. The mind tries to make sense out of things and it holds it in the body. The longer it holds it in the body, that's when illness starts to strike. The body can't handle it. You're basically talking about water and tissue. That's basically being compressed and held. Now you're holding pain and you're holding it for a long period of time. What's great about the trauma treatment is the pain is released. Once you deal with the disassociation, the pain in the body can be released. <clears throat> we have a technique that we use that basically you say, I don't want this pain. I don't need this pain. 
I release this pain. I have released this pain. What you're doing is you're talking directly to the CP. You are talking to the brain. You are saying, hey, look, I know I have pain in my shoulder. I know I hurt my shoulder when I was five. I know, but you can let it go now. Yeah, I don't need a signal telling me that my shoulder hurts. I know it hurts. Because pain is basically a warning. It's a signal. So what we just, yeah, I don't know. The discovery was, I mean, beautiful because we're thinking of releasing trauma and images. Why? Why is the pain in the body being relieved? Because they're interconnected. It's because they're both organisms. They're both, we're not just one person, right? We're not a single entity. We are multiple entities. We know this because we could, you could donate all, all, almost all of yourself. You could donate your kidneys, your liver, your heart, your ears, your eyes. You could donate bone, you could donate tissue, you could donate, donate, donate. So all these different pieces are alive. Not the way we think of life, like conscious or moving around, but they have their own understanding of the way the mechanism works. They're a part of you, but they aren't you. They make you. That's the difference. And so when you get into personal issues with your body, like, oh, you know, my arms are flapping, you're basically insulting a part of yourself that doesn't like it. It's looking back at you like you're an idiot. I'm flabby because you eat too much, fat ass. So you start to have like a, a conversation, seriously, you start to have a conversation where it's antagonistic to yourself. You could create, you could create a complex with the body. You could create a very bad relationship. And that's based in trauma because you've been arguing with yourself. I don't feel good. No, there's nothing wrong with you, get, get up. No, but I don't feel well. That's the trauma speaking. That's the pain of the past holding on. Because it's not really holding on. I haven't let it go. I'm holding it. I am holding on. And so the faster that you work through the trauma, the faster you could work through the pain of the body. The trauma will keep interfering in the body. Oh, what happened? I, we worked this out last week. They should have stayed. Well, you know, my sister visited and she started talking about my mom and I could feel it crunch up again. Do you mind? Can we work on it again? Okay. Yeah. It's because the trauma is there. It doesn't let go. So you have the same problem. It comes back. So no, I'm pretty sure there's not much wrong here. Why, why are you still in pain? I don't know, you know? But they've been talking about their mother since they walked in. 
but they don't know. They don't. But they, they talked about their mother for an hour before they started, like, you shouldn't have any pain in your back. I don't know. Because she feels like she carries her on her back. So the body could take different positions. It holds. Yeah, they come from the deep within the collective unconscious. So because it's an entity, because it's eternal, it doesn't really, um, it's not really conscious. We're conscious. It's not conscious. We're conscious because we have a short existence. So if we were eternal, bro, we wouldn't be conscious because we live forever. So what are we being conscious of? It doesn't make any sense. We live forever. So this, the, it's eternal, the complex. It lives forever. It's, it's been here forever. We are organisms that are passing through the physical body state. There are pieces of us that are not passing through. They keep going because they're not ours. That's part of the archetypal energy that makes us. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the creation wind that God blows into human beings and they all start to run. Those are the archetypal energies. Those are the complexes. Those are, we're trying to get closer to them. We're trying to identify them. Well, you identify with, you identify yourself as the entity that does not want to be told internally what to do. So your voice is ego. Ego is the center of consciousness for the self. The self, like, the ego is like a tiny dot. The self is this huge, we don't know exactly what it is. It's, it's archetypal, it's been throughout time. It gives us, it gives us that we are greater than the sum of our parts. That we're not just animals eating, crapping, having sex. That we're actually something different. That's the self. That there's some kind of cosmic design that there's, you know, there are gods, there are energies. There's, that's the self. That, that connects us to the cosmos, to creation itself. That's what Jung calls the self. It's grand in design, we don't know what it looks like. But what we do know is that the ego is a reflection. It's, a, it's, a, it's supposed to keep all the warring factions in, in line. Like you're here, you're there, you're over here, you're over there, I'm over here. Okay, let's behave ourselves. <laughs> but nobody behaves. You have a couple of drinks at the bar, you've had a rough night and you're like, fuck it. I'm gonna enjoy myself. I mean, so that's that's the shadow. The shadow comes out as like, you know, this guy is way too straight, way too uptight. I'm tired of him. Give him another shot. And so you hear this inner voice going, take another shot. Hey, you work so hard, just take another shot. And suddenly the ego is drunk, it's out of the picture. So shadow takes over. And your friends next day goes like, Mike, who was that yesterday? You're amazing. It's like, yeah, I don't want that to happen again. That was weird. I'm not going to do that anymore. So the complex is, you know, it's a, 
it's almost like you're sitting um, sitting around at the United Nations. You know, the person who has the gavel can shut everybody up, but they're going to argue all day long. Doesn't matter. They're going to argue. Even when they agree, they argue. But there's somebody who holds everybody in line, you know, gavel. So-and-so is going to speak. Oh, we don't want to hear so-and-so. <laughs> so so-and-so speaks. <clears throat> but they, so, so nothing happens out of the blue. We didn't create the United Nations because it was a great idea. We created it because it's already inside of us. We only reflect what's inside of us. We're reflecting stuff outside. We're basically putting, putting the way the complexes move and communicate and talk, we put it in movies. We put it in assemblies. We put it in schoolyards. We put it in elections. That's why we have so much chaos. We're not paying attention. When we need to become conscious of something going wrong, we're not paying attention. And it all comes back, you know, so the, the, the biggest thing is that we're, our brain is so tiny in actuality. As organisms, you know, to really kind of understand our existence, we have to connect to our archetypal energy. And that means that we have to be centered within the body. I have to be able to be in my body to think outside. Otherwise, what I am doing is thinking outside of my body. And therefore, I'm never centered. I'm always in conflict and I'm always in pain. The trauma pushes us, push, pushes us outside the body because the body is holding the pain. That increases pain. The longer the trauma resides, the more pain resides in the body. So if you're hit in a certain place in the body, but you were hit, like you could recover from a physical punch, right? You could recover from physical injury. But if that injury was um, connected to um, some kind of emotional outburst, then that pain is much more severe. Like if you call yourself stupid, that pain is going to be worse. Oh, that was stupid. I'm so stupid. That's going to be worse, much worse. Because basically you insulted the body for tripping your mind can get over it it's like yeah yeah i was an idiot but the body takes it as an insult that's that there needs to be harmony right i think christy teaches us there needs to be harmony i need to feel good about me yeah, I kind of, I, I inserted a lot of information together. So I hope that you kind of got a piece of it. I tried to insert the whole story, but the story, the simple part of the story is <clears throat> trauma needs to be treated um, 
with an effective method as soon as possible. Because that will make your jobs a lot easier. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, you're going to look like you're brilliant. Because you've resolved the outstanding issue. Uh, they're still going to need you because their body's been out of whack for a while. Just because the pain is released doesn't mean the body goes back to the regular motion. It takes time, right? It needs healing. It needs support. It needs help. So actually, it makes your job easier and um, better. Because you start to feel like you're accomplishing something. You're taking away people's pain. Not temporarily, but for good. Healing them. And I think if we start thinking of the model of we're really healing instead of maintaining. I think that would be a much better model. I think the medical model, the Western model is uh, maintaining. And the whole idea behind medications is maintenance, 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 maintenance is like, Thank you for tuning in to part one of a special two-part podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Al Samurai. You can also find us on the IFC's YouTube. Make sure to check out the Jam Institute for Training's Magician's Call podcast as well. Tune in to part two coming soon. The IFC is a not-for-profit institution. We don't have any paid advertising for our podcast. But we do accept donations. All donations and contributions are tax deductible. You can find more info at instituteforconflict.com.